Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. From the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 9, beginning with verse 35, let us listen for the word of the Lord. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits, to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the first twelve apostles. Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. This past Wednesday, as I was making my way here to the church, I was on the bus, and I observed a mom and her young daughter boarding the bus, and as they were making their way towards the back of the bus where I was sitting, A gentleman sitting further to the front stopped the mom. They exchanged some words, which I could not hear, but then I heard the mother thanking this man profusely for whatever he had just said or done. The little girl, meanwhile, made her way to the back of the bus and was sitting across the aisle from me, and the mom, when she made her way back, handed her daughter a pair of blue plastic binoculars. And with this, the little girl's jaw dropped. She looked surprised and mystified. And the mom explained that when she left them on the bus nearly a week ago, this man saw them, picked them up, and knowing that he often rode the same bus as them, it must have been around school time, that he would see them again, most likely. And so he's been holding on to them ever since, and he just passed them back. This next part is what struck me as so special, and I was so thankful to observe. The mom said to her daughter, see, there really are nice people out there. (laughs) And then this I couldn't plan, but being new to New York and, and loving it felt so warm inside. The little girl said in response, I love New York. It was incredible, and I thought of it the rest of the bus ride there. It was such a beautiful interaction to observe, and it's so encouraging to know that in one of the largest cities in the world, a city of 
almost eight and a half million people, a place where it's so easy to be anonymous, that there are nice actions and nice people, and in fact, I believe they happen more often than we even recognize and realize. There are instances of kindness, care, and love occurring all over the city and, and even the world. The city and the world, for that matter, are far from perfect. We know that, it's undeniable, but nevertheless, as I observed this past Wednesday morning, there are signs of hope surrounding us. And I hope that this church can be one of those signs for hope. I know that we are every Thursday night when in the basement of this building in our parish hall, around 100 people come to receive a warm meal. I know that on Wednesdays when Chance for Change meets in the basement, the newly renovated basement of our parish hall, that we are being a sign of hope in the world. Indeed, when people walk through our doors and they feel greeted and they feel welcomed and included in our activities and our events, when people experience kindness and are known by name in a study, in an event, whatever it might be, that the love of God is being shared and that Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church is one of the sites for God's hope in the world. And then as individuals, I believe, it's important, and I know that many of you are doing this, are then bringing God's hope out into the world, to your families, your workplaces, your friends, and even to strangers that you encounter on the streets. As Christians, we are, by definition, a people of hope. No matter our current experience, whether we are well aware of the love and the grace of God in our lives, or we're exhausted by hardship and trial. It's through Christ that we know that there is more to us and our world than there currently is. Hope reminds us of who we are and who we have been created to be. A people made in God's image and believing that others, whether they're here or not, it doesn't matter that they too have been made in the image of God. And the world is a part of his creation. Hope remain, helps us to remain steadfast in the promises of God, no matter our reality and current circumstance. Whenever I meet with someone in my office or at the hospital or in their home in a moment of hardship, I always feel so much better when I get a sense of hope when our conversation is nearing its end. But even as they feel hopeful, which I hope they do, I also prepare them that they may have to hold on to that hope for some time. And I caution them along the way to whatever they hope for, that they may experience a significant testing of their patience, that they may face forks in the road that are difficult to decipher and navigate, there may be moments of hardship and challenge, and that as they wait, for what they hope to come to be. They may have to wait longer than they would like. Being forced to wait can be hard, but sometimes in spite of all of our efforts and despite our desire to obtain whatever it is that we hope for, we are unfortunately forced to wait. On this weekend, we celebrate the freedom 
proclaimed for all people. We remember the Emancipation Proclamation and the freedom extended to enslaved persons following the Civil War. And we lament the slowness of the justice meant for all people to be achieved back in that day and in this day as well. This is also Father's Day. And I personally know what it is to wait to celebrate this day with my daughter. And it's amazing that all three verses read this morning by Chesna and John and myself come to us from the lectionary, and they speak so uniquely to what I've experienced in my life waiting to celebrate this Father's Day with my daughter, Lyle. Sometimes we are forced to wait for the purpose to which we feel called. And it's hard. Waiting, however, is commended by the psalmist. In Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and he heard my cry. Psalm 46, 13, be still and know that I am God. And also by the prophets and one of my favorites, Isaiah 41, but those who wait or hope, depending on the translation, upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. I want to go back and extend to everyone, uh, all the fathers who are here and any person who has had a positive influence by setting an example of faith or positivity of giving hope to someone else, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Now, throughout the Bible, God promises that he will sustain, strengthen, and comfort his people, that he will comfort those who wait on him and persevere towards the promises that he has made. In Genesis, as we read this, this morning, God promised Abraham and Sarah a multitude of children, descendants as numerous as the stars. And despite the challenge of time, and as doubt would creep in as they waited, God made true on his promise with Isaac. In the book of Exodus, the Israelites, through a mighty display of God's power, fled Egypt. But as the days became years, and as they were forced to wait, impatience sat in. So much so that they began to doubt in the very one who delivered them from Egypt. And they longed to return to their old familiar way of life because the promises of God of freedom and a hope realized seemed too far off. But they would enter the promised land. God delivered. And then to the Israelites who were exiled in Babylon, God promised that he was by their side, and he told them, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for, your, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. As the Israelites occupied the land which they were promised, they were then taken from it, and they again began to doubt and wonder where God was in their lives as they waited, as they waited for the hope of God to be realized again. But they would return to the promised land. The exile would end. So many are forced to wait on the promises of God. Some of us this day feel as if we're in an exile ourselves, that we feel distant from what we believe God's purpose and hope for our lives may truly be. I wish we didn't have to wait, but we do. It's an unfortunate fact of life. And so we trust in God's infinite wisdom that in our waiting, 
that our steadfast effort during this time of waiting accomplishes something, something for the world and something within us. The question of waiting is so important, so relevant, that the Apostle Paul deals with it at length. From Romans 5, read this morning, we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Writing to the church in Rome, Paul proclaims to a people who are waiting, waiting on the coming of the Lord, that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to God's purposes. These verses from Scripture are inspiring, inspiring, they're encouraging and helpful, but what about those difficult moments when we're in the middle of waiting for it all to come together for good? It's so much easier to read this Bible passage on the other side of whatever we're experiencing. Because waiting is hard. What about those moments when we believe we're called to a purpose, but when pain and hardship, difficult decisions, or even our own impatience and doubt creep in as we wait? What about those moments in which we cannot wonder how this will all come together, when or even if this will all work according to the good? At this intersection between our hope and the promises and calls of God are the realities of yearning and challenge, and the reality of the not yet. And it's during this time of the not yet that we are forced to wait. But while we are forced to wait, hope can transform our time of merely waiting into a living faith that expresses itself in the purposefulness of how we live. Waiting without hope is, is treading water, it's holding on. But waiting with hope redeems that not yet time and makes it worthwhile so we trust and hope for ourselves and, and for our world. I love a poem by the Brazilian educator Paulo Freire called Obvious Song, written in 1971, and I'm going to read it now. One who waits and only waits lives out a time of waiting in vain. Therefore, while I wait for you, I will work the fields, and I will talk to the men. My body burned by the sun, I will drench it in sweat, my hand will become calloused. My feet will learn the mystery of the paths, my ears will hear more, my eyes will see what they have not seen before. All while I am waiting for you. I won't await you only waiting, for my waiting is a what-to-do time. Ours is a faith that doesn't leave us to commiserate in what is, whatever that is, but propels us to what can and one day will be. Ours is a hope for the future that transforms our present experience. So that even as we wait, we seek to transform the time during which we wait. And in the process, transform ourselves and the world as well. It's why we do mission, reach out to others. It's why we do what we do to make this world a better place. We hope because of God. 
Because in Jesus Christ, God promises that he will never leave us alone, that he will always be by our side. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus tells us that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's a lot of pessimism in our world, but because of Christ, we can't feed into that. Because of Christ, we're a people of hope, messengers of his love, grace, and redemptive power. Knowing that if Jesus could redeem the cross, he could redeem whatever experience we are burdened by. Remember last week when I said that if God could call Matthew, he could call you too? Well, there is no person, no situation that cannot be redeemed by the power of God. And that's why we never give up on people. It's why we show them love, and it's why we show them grace. It's why we hope for something better for them. But we're called not only to love others, but we're called to love ourselves as well. And so we need to extend the love and the grace that we want to show others to ourselves as well knowing that God can redeem you in whatever you are experiencing. We don't just wait for the love of God to be realized in this world. We hope for it. And hoping entails doing something about it. Not that we trust in our own efforts, but that we make ourselves co-servants alongside God, trusting in the Spirit to guide us, and to do some small part to make the lives of others in our world better than we found it. We need more people who are willing to share the hope and the love of Christ in this world. The harvest is plentiful. Signs of hope abound, but laborers are few. Will you be one who labors for God? Will you be one who recognizes the hope and the grace the kindness that exists around us, and points it out to others? Will you be one who shows it to someone yourself? In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.